0: Welcome to Managed Carecast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. This is Jamie Rosenberg, Assistant Editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. We're now three years into the oncology care model, and practices participating in the episode based model have recently received results from Performance Period 4, representing the first half of 2018 results from the previous two performance periods had some practices concerned because there was little improvement. During both performance periods, approximately 30% of practices achieved savings. With Performance Period 4 results out now, it's a transformative point in the model in which practices who have not yet achieved a performance-based payment have to either enter two-sided risk or leave the model. To dive into the most recent results and their implications, we spoke with Dr. Charles Saunders, the chief executive officer of Indigra Connect. So to start off, I figured we could jump right into performance period four results. What were these results, and how did they compare to the performance period two and three?
1: I think nationally, uh, the results from CMS were a little bit different from our, than our our client base. We we support about a thousand oncologists in the Oncology Care Model program, and. Uh, we saw about, I'd say maybe 40%, 35 to 40% of the practices actually did better in uh, performance period four than three. So there was a definite trend, but not enough did. And I, you know, some of the reasons for that were that it just takes time for these um, programs to take hold, and uh, and also that there are a number of drivers of poor performance. You know, one of them is um, has to do with CMS's uh, target setting, and CMS targets are based on comorbidities and a number of other factors. And, and I think praxis have been slow to be able to document the comorbidities adequately, so they get uh, the appropriate target price adjustments. And also, the the novel therapies and the cost of drugs has increased considerably as a percentage of the of the total episode cost, and probably outpacing the um, the, the target price setting that um, that CMS is uh, is creating. But uh, we did see in performance period two that, despite the fact that in our client base the trends in, improved uh, from generally on average from from pp1 to 2 to 3 there was a bit of a fall off in pp4 where only about half of our practices um, improved and about half of them actually did worse in pp4 than 3 and that was a bit of a surprise
0: and so now looking at these different results what do you think are your biggest takeaways i know you mentioned how it takes some time to adjust to this model were there any other takeaways you got from this
1: yeah, the drive the key drivers for poor performance um, tended to be uh, number one case mix. We saw a higher incidence of um, lung cancer, multiple myeloma, which tend to be financial losers uh, among our customer base, particularly those that um, that were tertiary referral centers, where they tend to get an outside a sized uh, percentage of those ty- types of cases referred in. Also, that the sicker patients uh, are not—I don't think that they're adequately adjusted for in the target uh, price setting because stage—the the stage of cancer—is not a factor that CMS currently uses for setting target price. Uh, yet, you know, it, it matters with uh, patients who are referred to tertiary centers. They may have the same same diagnosis and it's the same number of comorbidities, which CMS does include uh, in their their uh, estimations. But the but they might have a more advanced disease, and so that's not accounted for. It will be in in 2020 to a certain extent with some cancers, but it hasn't been. So so there's a bit of a penalty there for those that have sicker patients. So case mix was one of the factors that we saw in some of the larger practices, but by by far the biggest impact was just the rise in the cost of drugs. You know now, 60 uh, percent or more in many cases of the total episode cost. Uh, particularly driven by Part D drugs and novel therapies. And some of the practices no longer, say, they lost their novel therapy adjustment, which is what CMS has used to try and correct for the, the rise in drug costs, because some of the um, some of the IO therapies, for example, have come off the list as of novel therapies, and uh, they're very expensive. So the combination of losing the novel therapy adjustment and the increase in uh, novel therapy use particularly uh, oral agents, has been a a big hit.
0: Yeah, so what you just mentioned about the drugs being so expensive and taking up around 60% of the total cost of care, I was recently at an NCCN policy summit where they discussed this, and it basically just means that there's less of a portion of cost that practices can control. So is this something you hear from practices, that this is a major pain point? And is there anything these practices can do to try and mitigate this, or is it just one of those... Big challenges they're faced with right now.
1: Yeah, there are some things, uh, but you are correct that um, that the controllable costs that um, you know were available to uh, practitioners in the past have largely been acute uh, inpatient admissions and the consumption of um, resources and at the end of life, and you know those could be addressed in the former case by. Navigation and, and case management using risk stratification to predict those individuals are most likely to be admitted and to aggressively managing the the complications and the you know the adverse events that drive those admissions, and in the second case with end of life, you know introducing things like palliative care programs, a hospice, and uh, you know considering how aggressive to be in in say third line of therapy for somebody that has advanced disease with a little hope for cure, and so there was those were powerful um, tools that they had, but now they're. Being dwarfed by the drug costs, and uh, so the things that can be done in that area is to switch to biosimilars and generics as much as possible, and that means increasing use of things like uh, care pathways and formularies and, and I think that the uh, providers are you know increasingly start starting to recognize this, and for we have several practices that actually did do well and did receive performance based payments uh, and that had actually been fairly aggressive about the use of um, of biosimilars uh, and so I think you know that probably remains a tool that they'll have, but you know there are also opportunities in, in going forward to rethink the model, the entire model, to say you know should you carve out drugs, should you, you know, for um, for accountability for, for the f- providers, or or um, do things like performance-based drug pricing and 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 such.
0: Right. And have you heard from your different practices um, after getting performance period four results? What were some of the initial reactions from the practices that you've heard from?
1: Well, this was a momentous performance period, because if you didn't get a, a performance-based payment uh, in the first four, then you had to either elect the two-sided uh, risk risk model or drop out of the program. So we have a number of practices that hadn't received a PPP by this time, by P, by performance period four, that are now actively involved in that decision. And so we're working with them to, to try and project what their performance is likely to be under the two-sided model in, in PP 8 and then uh, whether stop-loss insurance will, will make an impact on that because, you know, for them it's uh, the loss of the MIOS payments is considerable, but the downside risk could be worse, and if that's the case, it's just not, you know, it's not financially feasible or possible for them to continue.
0: And is the lag time between the actual performance period and when practices get their results still an issue? I would assume it probably still is, and does this long lag time kind of make it harder for practices to act on the results because they happened so far long ago?
1: Yeah, it remains a it remains a problem. You know, there's a huge lag between uh, the performance that's reported by CMS claims, which uh, you know they have a big tail, and that there's a period of time that passes, and so a lot of provi- providers are still looking at the results of uh, activities that they did in two thousand in the early part of two thousand eighteen. And now they're more than a year past that, that period of time. What we try to do is wh- for them is is to, um, to leverage the data in their EHR and their practice management system, which while not a complete picture, at least provides them some uh, directionality. Uh, and of course, the EHR can be real time. So you, you de- if you increasingly rely on those kinds of indicators of where you're going, uh, you have a bit of a better chance, but it still remains a problem with the lag. There are commercial programs like the Blues and, and others that have their own uh, variants of OCM and, and alternative payment models, and they provide a little bit more timely uh, access to claims data, uh, sometimes often as monthly as opposed to quarterly from CMS, but but those oftentimes lack uh, financial data because they, they generally don't release that information for competitive reasons.
0: And looking forward now, as you mentioned, this is kind of a transformative period because if. The practices didn't get a performance period payment. They either have to go into two-sided risk or drop out. So what do you think the main area of focus for these practices will be? I know you mentioned working with you to kind of get projections of what their performance would be. So what else is, do you think they're going to be focusing on, say, the next couple of months?
1: Yeah, so you know, the good news is now they've had four performance periods to get their programs in place so to hire care managers and to get those programs worked out to put in um, you know some some get some data analytics uh, help and to put in place end of life programs and so forth and and if they haven't they're pretty close to that so what they're really looking at is is now seriously implementing and optimizing those programs and trying to determine what the impact of doing so will be on their performance in, in PP8, and it will make a difference. What we're seeing is about, for um, a, a good care management program, there's about a 2% operational performance improvement. And for um, an end-of-life program, like palliative care and hospice and, and the like, um, about another 2% um, improvement. And then for the use of um, novel therapy, I mean, for generic and biosimilar uh, substitutions and, and managing novel therapy use, and about another 2% operational improvement. So if you overlay those potential uh, impacts on what your performance is likely to be, considering trend and, and everything else in the marketplace, does that get them into the black and so that's one of the things they're actively looking at. And if not, if it gets them close, what are the stop loss uh, insurance costs, premium costs, and attachment points, and will that protect them from the downside risk, so that they'll end up uh, in a good place? And then the, the final thing is, um, if they have more than 50% of their, uh, you know, of their um, revenues from Medicare, that they would be eligible for uh, the f- performance-based improvement. The 5% performance-based improvement is part of the MIPS program. Is that, is that enough to make this a financial winner for them? So these are all things that they're actively considering now, and they have they have just a little bit of time left before they have to make the, that decision.
0: Right. And now, is there any concern among practices regarding what kind of happens once OCM ends? What are your thoughts on COA's OCM 2.0 that they put forward? I don't know if you're too familiar with that, but are there is there concern among practices, and what are your thoughts on kind of what adjustments should be made to whatever model comes after OCM?
1: Yeah, I think that there are concerns there. Personally, I, I, I can't imagine that um, that CMS is going to abandon some kind of value-based program for oncology care because um, the costs are rising so rapidly that we have to do something. And we've got now a wealth of experience, and through the first uh, couple of years of this program, that they should be able to to incorporate some of the feedback and the learnings from this program to come out with a, a next generation program that, that fixes some of the issues, like gives some um, appropriate credit for, uh, for stage, you know, in terms of um, setting target price and uh, for uh, creating a better, better model for adjusting to novel therapy use and uh, drug pricing. So, I, I mean, I would, I would expect that those kinds of things would come in place, but I, I, I don't think that there'll be a, a retreat from from value-based reimbursement models, because you know the costs are are unsustainable if we if we don't do something.
0: All right. So that's actually all the questions I had for you. Was there anything else you wanted to mention to bring up? Was there any other um, findings from the results that you thought were important to mention?
1: Um, I think we've talked through most of them. You know, the the, the key drivers. You know, drug use, uh, case mix, uh, end of life, and um, and the tools that you have to address those. Like. You know, care management and uh, care pathways and uh, and a you know, good uh, focus on end of life, and uh, the use of drugs. So, no, Those are the key things to take away. You know, I, so I don't have anything more to add that we haven't discussed.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on and discussing the results of May.
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: To read more, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. You can get in touch with us by emailing info at ajmc.com or following us on Twitter at agmc underscore journal. And finally, if you like the podcast, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Thanks for tuning in.